Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Free Tips for Round 6. I'm your host Stephen Westway. Great to be here on this Wednesday morning as we preview the upcoming rounds. Round 5, I've got a perfect round for the first time this season. Very exciting. I'm looking to back that up with two perfect rounds in a row. And I want to thank my special guest, Josh Duncan, who came on the show for being a special guest um, who actually predicted his footy tips right. I think the rest of my former special guests can take note and take solace and uh, try to be better next time because Josh got seven out of eight footy tips correct, um, just one short of me. And with the first perfect round of the season, I go up to 31 out of 40 tips correct this season, which is just under 80%. So I think it's safe to say that it's a great start to the season. In the history of this podcast, since I started back in 2020, I've never predicted two perfect rounds in a row. Hoping to change that this week. There's some blockbuster games coming your way. I mean, Thursday night shapes to be an intriguing clash between the Raiders and the Cowboys. You've got uh, two desperate teams in the, the Knights and the Dragons facing each other on Sunday football. The annual Good Friday clash between uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Canterbury Bulldogs. And without a doubt, the blockbuster, the game of the week, the Storm and the Sharks coming up. But before we get to our round six predictions this week, I'm going to go back through, take you back to round five. As I said, I got eight out of eight perfect tips, but my team of the week was another hard team of the week to place. There was a number of individuals that really stepped up um, in round five. At fullback, I've gone Clint Gufson um, from Parramatta. I think that he was electric in their victory over the Gold Coast Titans, which obviously was a victory marred in controversy. We'll get into that a little bit later, but he probably produced his best performance of the season. Um, you know, great at the back there for Cronulla. On the wings, I've gone Sion Katoa, um, been scoring a lot of tries out there for Cronulla, and Sunday afternoon against the Tigers was no different. Same as Taylor May for the Panda Panthers. Since he's came into first grade, uh, Taylor May has made my team of the week every game he's played, but it was another really good performance against the Bulldogs on Sunday night. My centres, Katoni Staggs and Joey Barnu. What a battle it was last Friday night. We'll talk about that a little bit more later when we get to the Roosters and the Broncos match predictions this week respectively, but it was a intense game, a, a better quality game of football than I think most people expected, and the Broncos really took the the Rooster to the sword, and one of the most intriguing parts of the game was the matchup between Staggs and Joey Manu. Um I think Joey Manu might have got the chocolates at the end of the game uh, between the two of them, but Tony Staggs definitely held his own and had his best performance in first grade for a long period of time, and, and Manu really lifted the Roosters when they were in a hole and pretty much is the main individual responsible for them winning last Friday night. In the half, I've gone Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes. I thought they were both excellent in the victory over the Canberra Raiders. Now, the Storm weren't at their best, I don't think, for a lot of the periods in that game. Like they haven't been all year, really, but... Those two really stepped up when it mattered. Jerome Hughes, I think, had his best performance of the season, and Munster um, was as he was at his best on Saturday afternoon. In the forwards, I've gone Regan Campbell Gillard over 200 meters. He's been great for Parramatta this year. Another really solid performance against the Titans and Payne Haas for the Broncos. Again, the Broncos lost against the Roosters, but probably had their best performance of the year. And I think that uh, Payne Haas really led from the front again, and he's suspended for one week this week due to his off-field discretions there with. Yeah, but Kelly, and I'm sure you guys have heard enough talk about that, so I'm not really going to get into that this week, but he's going to be a huge loss to the Broncos um, this weekend. Damon Cook is my hooker of the week. I thought he was outstanding for South Sydney in a, a dour affair against the St. George Dragons. It wasn't a good quality matchup, but I think Cook was easily the best player in the, uh, on the field. I think that he was electric at a dummy half um, and really made stuff happen there for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. My forward pack, uh, my second rowers, uh, 
Olukwatu from Manly was really good on Thursday night. He gets one of the second row spots. The other one goes to Kalama Matangi, who, again, other than Damien Cook, was probably the best player on the field for South Sydney and scored a try that they much needed in the context of that game. My lock of the week is Isaiah Papalihi from the Eels. I thought he was outstanding again. Um, you know, so much of his work goes understated, but 30 tackles, 190 metres, um, offloads, line break assist, he had it all. Um, and I think it was a, uh, there was a try assist as well down there on Saturday night. My bench this week was Harry Grant, Sam Walker, Mitchell Moses, and Ewan Aiken. So um, without a doubt, a, a top quality team of the week, and it was a good weekend of football. But I think we, we can all agree that we're starting to see the divide between the good teams and the bad teams. And, you know, the first two, three rounds, we thought, well, this might be a really close competition this year. The top eight might, race might, you know, have never been closer heading into a season. But I think that we're really starting to see the top five or six teams really elevate themselves from the rest of the competition. And we'll get into that a little bit later on the show. But I'm going to get into my round six preview now. Before I do, please remember to like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. Subscribe and listen to the podcast wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast each week, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, help get the show out there. I've been so proud um, of what I've been able to accomplish, and it's all because of you guys over the past few years. The numbers have been great. I've been getting some great messages. Uh, Mike Jones in particular, thanks for uh, for reaching out. And, you know, it's great to have you guys care about, you know, my opinions when it comes to rugby league. So I appreciate it. Hope it continues, and I'm excited for the rest of the season. Let's get to the action now. It all kicks off this weekend on Thursday night. And we head off to Canberra to start the round at 7.50 on Thursday night from GIO Stadium when the Canberra Raiders will host the North Queensland Cowboys. Both of these teams, two wins, three losses. And really, when you look at the form line, the Cowboys are probably the team out of the two of them that have been better so far this season. I mean, they've really taken some teams and pushed them to the limit, even in defeat. And, you know, last Friday was definitely one that got away from them in the golden point loss to the New Zealand Warriors. But... Really some positive signs for Todd Payton in the first month of football. I mean, a lot of these young guys are playing over expectations. And I think Scott D, uh, Scott Drinkwater was a a really good inclusion uh, at fullback last week. Obviously, never want the hammer out. He's one of your most electric players in your team. But to have a ready-made replacement in Scott Drinkwater um, to come in, he, he scored a try, he set up another one. I think that he is way too good to be playing reserve grade. And I think that someone like the, the Redcliffe Dolphins who are looking for playmakers, I think they should keep one eye on Scott Drinkwater because I think he combined well with Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend. And I was actually impressed by the performance of the whole team uh, by North Queensland last Friday, despite the fact that they couldn't get the job done in the dying stages of that contest. But, uh, you know, the young guys, Gilbert having a great season, Nenai's playing really good football as well. Um, Lukey's playing good off the bench for him. So I'm really positive about Cowboys' first month. I mean, I predicted them to be the Wooden Spooners, and they've actually over achieved uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people. They're versing a Canberra Raiders side that you just never know what Canberra Raiders are going to come on the field. Sometimes you've got a Canberra Raiders team that's really gritty and determined to come out and make a statement and play some good football. And sometimes you get the Canberra Raiders we've seen at certain points this season. Like the game against the Storm last week was very mixed. I mean, they were having a go, and I don't think the Storm were at their best, but really they were pretty poor in general handling. And, um, you know, they didn't seem like they were in that contest at all. And then you look two weeks ago against Manly, and they were awful in that 25-6 to six defeat. So you just never know what Canberra Raiders side you're going to get. 
The positives, I think, that come out of the camp is that Brad Snyder's been playing some really good football since, um, you know, stepping in for Jamil Fogarty at the start of the year. And I really think that he's starting to make that halfback position his own. I think he's been really combining well with Jack Wyden. I mean, Fogarty will come back in, you know, near the end of the year and probably take the halfback spot over him. But I think Snyder's done enough um, to prove his worth and, and hopefully stay in the top 17. Poor Jared Croker can't seem to get a running third grade. I mean, he's one of the... Canberra Raiders absolute legends especially over the last 10 years and it's sad to see him make an exit I thought he could have come in for Timiko this week but Canberra really stuck solid and, and Ricky has really stuck solid with this team that he's uh, named the last few weeks the only major change is that he's finally given Xavier, Xavier Savage uh, you know a hugely exciting and promising young player his first chance in 2022 with the uh, 14 on his backing he makes and Matt for all is the one that make way for him but there's been a lot of calls for Savage to start, from me included. I think he's got a great future in the NRL. And, you know, come game day, I might even think that there might be a late change. I mean, Charms could go to the centres. Timiko could go back to the bench. And then um, that would open the door for Savage to start. But whatever happens, Cameron needs to find a way to score points and, you know, be more consistent uh, with the football in hand. No unforced error. Completing your sets, I think that... Snyder and Wyden um, have controlled the game well at moments, but other moments they've struggled a little bit and their forwards haven't really been laying a platform for them. So I think they really need to step up this week because the Cowboys are really going to take it to them. I think that the Cowboys are a team in 2022 that are going to show up for every game and, and really make their oppositions earn those two points. They don't have the most star-sided team, but the young guys they're bringing in and giving opportunities to are really stepping up. And I think that this game... This weekend is a little bit of a danger game for Canberra. Um, they are favourites. A lot of people expect them to win this game of football. But I just really like the fight that I've seen from the Cowboys this season. So it's going to be a toss-up there on Thursday night. I think that it will probably be our most high-quality Thursday night game in quite some time after a couple of stinkers. I think this is going to go down to the wire. But I think what is leaning me to Canberra is the home ground advantage of at GI Stadium down there in Canberra. They took a home game to Wagga Wagga last weekend and, um, you know, they, they obviously couldn't get the job done against Melbourne, but they're undefeated in Canberra this year. I think they're really trying to make it a ground that teams fear to go to again, like it was, you know, three to four years ago. And I think that they played their best football there this season. I think it will continue. And, and for the Cowboys to go to such hot climates up there in Townsville all the way down to Canberra this weekend and, um, you know, experience uh, a Canberra that, you know, is, is heading into winter, it's always a tough assignment. And I think Canberra might just sneak home. But I think that the Cowboys are going to pull up one hell of a fight. I've got Canberra by four points, but I think it's going to be a, a barn burden to start the round. I think this is going to be a really high-quality game of football, but I've just got the Raiders sneaking home by four points. The traditional Good Friday Easter clash between the South City Rabbitohs and the Canterbury Bulldog kicks off Friday football. It's a Friday afternoon game from 4pm at Acor Stadium, as I mentioned, the Rabbitohs versus the Bulldogs. And both of these teams, it's safe to say, haven't had the best start to 2022. The Rabbitohs are much-needed victory last weekend against the St. George Royal Dragons. It was a DR contest. Not a good game of football at all. A lot of unforced errors and... Um, for Seahawks, you know, they'll take the win. They'll take the two points that were on offer against the Dragons, but they've got some long-term um, ramifications coming out of that game. Blake Taff successfully returned, and he's, he played his first game of the year playing, I believe it was about 65 minutes in the Rabbitohs' win over the Dragons. But it came at a price, 
and that is with the injury of Latrell Mitchell, Mitchell, who's done his hamstring and will miss the next eight weeks of football. And it's really disappointing uh, for Rabbitohs before uh, fans, considering the fact that he missed the back end of the Rabbitohs' charge to the Green Final last year. He wasn't present in that Green Final. He could have been a difference maker. Just like in 2020, he missed the entire uh, finals campaign with, a, I believe, another hamstring injury as well. So, you know, the Rabbitohs fans, you've got to start wondering, are we really getting value for our buck for Latrell Mitchell? Does he have the endurance to play fullback long-term, or should he make a switch back to the centres when he comes back to first grade? He's probably going to be at a state of origin one as well, so Brad Fittler's got a few headaches. But, you know, the Rabbitohs... I think he's played about 60% of his matches and South Sydney have a right and have an expectation to want more out of their superstar in Latrell Mitchell. But as I mentioned, they got the job done against the, the Dragons. Damien Cook really stepped up. It was a great performance. His best performance all season uh, really sparked the South Sydney's attack and with the from the quick play of the balls that Cam Murray provides, he was able to scoot out from dummy half, make some quick meters and really, um, you know, start and... and and light the uh, the Rabbitohs forward pack and, and their attack in general to really make a dent in that St. George Aurora's Dragons fragile defence that we saw last Saturday night. Lachlan Lilius continued to improve, had a really good game as well, but Cody Walker still not playing his best brand of football. I mean, it was a pretty sad performance really last Saturday night, and I'm, I like Cody Walker. Obviously, his confidence seems to be shot after the intercept try that he threw last year in the green final and Adam Reynolds' departure, Wayne Bennett's departure has obviously all had a little bit more an effect on him than he would like to admit. I think he ran the ball once for two metres. He made two errors, seven missed tackles. It just wasn't the Cody Walker that we're used to seeing and he's had no try assist in 2022, but surely this week against the Bulldogs is the week that he's going to get his confidence back. I mean, he's not going to really get a better opportunity based on what we've seen of the Bulldogs this year. Now, it was the improved performance last Sunday night against the uh, the Premiers, the Penrith Panthers, but still not um, a, a performance that's going to bother too many teams. Matt Dufty has kept his spot this week, and really, the whole Bulldogs side really has. There's not many changes at all. Kyle Flanagan retained his spot at halfback, but Dufty, in particular, had a very poor performance last uh, Sunday night. Barely made a dint on the game, similar to Cody Walker, but... When your fullback's making six metres in a game, that's not a good sign. And the Bulldogs really can't get anything going with the football in hand. They, you know, their defence is there sometimes, but then you see some easy tries conceded. And you just got to wonder, how does Trent Barrett fix this? And how much longer does Trent Barrett get to fix this? There's going to be a lot of pressure on the Bulldogs. Um, for the next few weeks in particular, they've only won one game. And it was round one, and it was a scrappy win against the Cowboys. Um, but there was a lot of expectations Heading into the new era of the Bulldogs this season. And I said that I predicted them to finish 13 from the ladder. I said it's going to be a week-in, week-out proposition whether they turn up in games and how competitive they are. But I think their best plan moving forward is really to try to establish that partnership between Burton and Flanagan. I think Flanagan's their best choice seven they have at the club at the moment. And if they can link a combination for the rest of the season, then Reid Marnie and and Viliame Kikia come to the team next year and, and Marnie in particular if he can make a combination with those two that are already familiar with each other heading into the 2023 season um, then they can really make a surge for the top eight but this season is definitely going to be a work in progress they need to find out who's their best fullback they need to find out um, if Marshall King's their best hooker going forward obviously he's not with Marnie coming in but is he even the best 
option heading into the rest of the season. And their forward pack, guys like Luke Thompson and Paul Vaughan, need to start finding some form and starting to fire, same as uh, Tavita Pengai Jr. So I think it's going to be a tough game for, for the Bulldogs on Friday night. Um, I think, as I said, they, they improved last week. I expect a little bit more improvement this week. But I've just got CR City being a little bit too strong. I think Taff is a very different fullback to Latrell Mitchell, but I think he's a fullback that likes to get involved. And, you know, he plays with uh, he plays with his heart on his sleeve, Blake Taff, and I really like the, um, you know, the no fear that he has for a small player, especially playing at fullback. I think that he will combine well with Ilias. I think Cody Walker will find his form, and I think that the forward pack, in particular guys like Tom Burgess, Kalal Matangi, Jai Aaron, Kim Murray, really get over the top of a uh, slow and out of form Canterbury Bulldogs forward pack. And I think CS will have too much for the Bulldogs. I've got CS Sydney by 16 on the Good Friday annual Good Friday match. And let's be honest, that match has produced some absolute classic matches. So if the Bulldogs are going to show up in the next few weeks, you'd think it'd be this Friday, but it's going to be a tough ask because, as I mentioned, CS are going to start hitting a bit of a run of form, you'd hope, and with the Tigers next week, um, they could be very quickly back into the positive in terms of win-loss percentage in 2022. All right, the second game of Friday Night Football sees the Penrith Panthers last year's premiers in action against the Brisbane Broncos, but before we get to that game, it is time for the classic match rewatch. That's right, it's that time of the fortnight where I go back, have a look at the cl- a classic game in history, and just talk about um, you know how that game went and why it's considered to be a classic and if there's any impact um, to the match that we're about to see this weekend. And we're going to go back this week to round 8, 1997. It was a part of the Super League competition. Rugby League in Australia was that war ARL start, had their competition, the traditional game, and, and Super League had a rebellious um, competition which you know divided the Rugby League world. And it's still that divide kind of still exists today. And obviously teams like the Broncos and Penrith and, and even teams like the Bulldogs all went over the Super League. Canberra Raiders was one of them as well. Um, had really chased the money. And the Broncos in the 1997 season, they were a team full of stars. I mean, these the players that we saw in this game, Lockyer, Saylor, Carroll, Langer, Walters, Lazarus, Andrew G, Bradford, Gordon, Tallis. The list goes on. It was a star-studded team. They had Shane Webkill on the bench, for God's sake. This was a team that you know was going to dominate for years to come, which they did. They won the 97 comp, 98, 2000, um, all with the same sort of lineup. And obviously, a few years prior, they won the 92 and 93 competitions. But they headed into this game with a 7-0 start to the Super League competition. They looked on fire. They first the Penrith Panthers team that were rightly considered underdogs. And it had been a long time since the 91 um, grand final winning team. It was pretty much a whole new side. And... Really led by Ryan Girdler, um, who you know had come over from the Illawarra Steelers, and he was playing his real first season in the five eight position, um, partnering a young Craig Gower, and these two pretty much led an unknown team. Um, you know the the Super League was famous for you know wanting to expand the competition, but they didn't have the growth in players. There wasn't enough star players around in those days to have two different comps. So we saw the effect of both competitions having players that might not get a run. Um, you know, you know, one competition league get their opportunity. And Penrith were full of younger players and, and lesser known players, but they had Girdle and Gia really lead this t- team around. Um, with the Adderton brothers probably being the other two, um, you know, 
players of, of well-known value. There were some other, you know, decent workhorse players, but they upset the Brisbane Broncos in this game 27-26, and they got out to an early lead. The Broncos came back, and it was a really back-and-forth match. Very exciting game of football. The most interesting part for me to go back and watch this game as we head into this Friday's contest between the Panthers and the Broncos were how different the Super League did things. I mean, for example, let's just look at the the, the back five for the Panthers Panthers in terms of their numbers. Their fullback had number four on their back. Um, the wingers had 43-58, and their centers had 20-1. and one. So just shows the numbering. They let the players pick what they wanted to um, wanted to have in their back, and the Broncos had a much more traditional numbering system, but it was really hard to keep track watching this game on what players which, and if you didn't know them, what position they played in the football field. Very confusing. This is at Penrith, and they had a huge crowd there for this game, but also the voiceover guy that we had music blaring when a team was on attack, um, you know, theme songs for both sides. It was a really weird kind of atmosphere that I was watching, but the crowd seemed to enjoy it. Obviously, a very different time for rugby league, and um, they're probably surprised they got such a big crowd in that game, considering the rugby league world was at war. But, you know, we had this Champions Broncos team and this Penrith team that really was struggling to compete in terms of, of, of star power. And then we go to 2022 and we kind of see that the, the shoes on the opposite foot, so to speak, where the Panthers have this championship side. The Broncos are the side that's trying to prove themselves. They've got some established players, but a lot of young guys trying to prove their worth as well. Um, so it was just an interesting kind of... Uh, Retro look at, at how far the game's gone in 22 years and, and you know, a very um, divided time in rugby league history this week. And it was a good game to go back and watch. It's on um, YouTube, the whole game, and as from a YouTuber called Nomad Productions. I want to give a shout-out to him. He's got a lot of classic games. I think it's about 150 games from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Uploaded them full on his YouTube channel, so go check that out. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Classic Rewatch. Let's get to the actual match preview now, and it is... The Brisbane Broncos versus the Panther Panthers. All right, and the Broncos versus the Panthers, as I mentioned, is the second game of Friday Night Football. It all kicks off from Blue Bet Stadium up there in Penrith uh, at 7.55. And really, the Panthers, they're undefeated 5-0. They don't look close to losing a game. It was a dominant performance against the Canterbury Bulldogs last Sunday night. They didn't really get out of first gear, but you really saw um, these young players on display again. I mean... That combination between Isaac Targo and Taylor May is electric. Dylan Edwards, that is electrifying best. And it's really found um, a way to get Nathan Cleary back into the team. But, you know, he's come back into a team that are going quite well. And he hasn't had to really have the impact in the first two games that he's played to really change the game because the Panthers are flying so much. And it's taken some pressure off him. And I think it's going to improve Penrith as a whole going forward. The fact that he's been up there so effortlessly come back in and, you know, just play his natural game again. They're versing a Broncos team that they were really up for the contest last week against Roosters. It was a great game of football. Uh, a lot of people thought that the Broncos would probably get flogged in this contest and they came out really took the sword early to the Roosters. But just a lack of experience for some of their players near the end of the game um, really, you know, sunk them at the end. They, they just didn't have the composure to get the job done um, when the game was on the line. Their defense was really good throughout the contest, but the Roosters managed to sneak a couple late tries. And, um, you know, teams can react two ways from that. They can really take a lot out of the loss um, to, you know, one of the premier, uh, premiership heavyweights, or they can react the other way where they are so disappointed from the, the narrow defeat that they kind of um, don't back it up the next week. And, and Kevin Walters has really got his, got, his, got his team up again for this contest. I thought Walters... 
uh, was a good half partner for Adam Reynolds, and Adam Reynolds had his best game, I reckon, since joining the Broncos. He controlled the game really well, but as I mentioned, a bit of class at the end um, cost the Broncos. So if you had their star player this week in Payne Huss, who you know is really the leader of their forward pack, he's been suspended from the the altercation with uh, Albert Kelly early in the season. Um, so they've got Palasa and Corey Jensen as the signing props this week, and they're going to have a, a big task ahead of them because the Penrith have really been bullying teams with their giant forward pack this year and um, guys like Matt Eisenhuff and Fisher Harris have really been leading the way. Eisenhuff has really, you know, been an underrated kind of star there at Penrith this season. Um, Kikia, Marden, Isaiah, yo, there's no weak point in this Penrith Panthers forward pack and if Broncos going to be in a chance in this game, they've really got to somehow um, neglect um, and and kind of lesser the impact of that Penrith forward pack and, and by really making a statement their own. And I think that they did that against the Roosters early last week, so it's going to be interesting. They can show up in the early exchanges of this match, but when you look at the two teams on paper, you just got to look and go, well, Penrith's got too much firepower in this game. The Broncos can make it close. They can be really gritty and be a team that... You know, I think what Kevin Walters wants from them and make other teams earn the two points when they get beaten and really, you know, try to form a, a team that's always going to compete every week. But I don't know if they're quite there yet. I think, as I mentioned, Penrith, too much firepower. We still haven't seen the best in Nathan Cleary. Jerome Law has been good, but I think those two can have a, a greater impact on Penrith's performances. And I've just got Penrith being too strong in this game. I've got Penrith by 22. But like we saw in the classic match that I just covered, you never know. Um, Brisbane were great last week, and even in defeat, you'd hope they'd have another good performance on Friday night. Super Saturday kicks off this week from 3pm at Four Points Park up there in Brookvale, and the Manly Seagulls host the Gold Coast Titans, and Manly, three wins on the trot now, they're starting to play some really good football, a good win against the Knights last week without their star player in Tom Trojevich, they really wanted to prove the uh, the critics wrong and have a good performance without their star playmaker, they did that. Cherry Evans really led from the front again, and their forward pack really got over the top of the Newcastle Knights forward pack early. I thought Olakwati was outstanding. I thought Davey was really good for the uh, the Manly Seagulls as well. So good signs out of Manly that they've shaken off a poor start to the season. And one month into the competition, they look like they're going to be a threat again in 2022. They're versing a Gold Coast tie in the side that have won two games in the opening month of the competition. Um... They made the game closer than it probably should have been against Parramatta last week after some controversial calls went against Parramatta, including the Titans really exposing the captain's challenge and, and how it's ran. And I think that Essen Masters should have been... Um, it was a Masters, I think it might have been Patrick Herbert, should have been sent to the sin bin for holding onto the play. You can't do that. I don't care if you're going to challenge or not. You've got to get off the play on the ref asks and not just force the game to stop and... I think that he should have been marched straight for 10 minutes, to be honest with you. But regardless, the Tide's not playing the best brand of football. Fafita looked good when he got into open space last week, but he's still not getting involved enough. I think that their young halves in Sexton and Brimson are not controlling the game like they should be, which is what I was worried about heading into the season. I think they've still got to get some experience and work on that combination. They will be boosted this week by the return of Jaden Campbell, however, who comes back in the first grade. Um... But I think it's going to be a week-in, week-out proposition similar to the uh, the Broncos and the Bulldogs this season that you just don't know what Titans team you're going to get. I mean, they've got 
some the forward pack is really good, and I think that they're good enough to really step up and cause some headaches for Manly early, and they can get onto the front foot. They've got some exciting young players that can score some points quickly, but for me, the defence just isn't there. Um, I haven't seen a Titan performance for 80 minutes this season, and I don't even know if I've seen a Titan's performance for 40 minutes this season, to be honest with you. So I have doubts about, um, you know, how long they're competing in games for and how long they're showing up for. Um, and I just think that Manly have just got... They're building confidence about Tom Sorovich. Ruben Garrick at fullback's been good. Uh, the young, promising player in Koala comes back into the side this week in the centres. I've just got a good feeling uh, when I look at Manly. I don't know if they're going to be the team that's going to really bother any of these premiership heavyweights, but I think that they're really building nicely. Um, and instead of relying on Tom Tarovich so much, they're learning how to win without him, which is always good to see. So when he comes back into the team later this season, he can just play his part, hopefully, and the team's not just playing parts of the Tommy. Um, so I like what I'm saying. I think Manly will be too strong in this contest. I've got Manly by 12 points to kickstart Super Saturday, which this week's only two games, and my mistake, I think I might have said that it's from 3 p.m. It's from 5.30 p.m. because there is an Easter Monday game this week. Uh, but 5.30 game, I've got Manly um, by 12 points. Which brings us to the 7.30 game between the Melbourne Storm and the Cronulla Sharks. Super Saturday down there in Amy Park, and this is shaping up to be, without a doubt, the game of the weekend on paper. The Sharks have had a fantastic start to the season. They didn't get out of first gear last weekend against the Tigers. It wasn't their best performance of the season by any stretch, but they still got the job done handily. And maybe Fitzgibbon and Co. were, you know, he wasn't really revving his side up because he was saving them more for this week. It's going to be a hell of a confrontation. The Storm versus Cronulla. They've had some classic matches in the past, but I think this Cronulla team is a, a team that has a great youth, uh, mix of experience and youth, and I think that they're going to be up for the task against this Melbourne Storm side. The Storm at 4-1 and one in their first month of the competition, and as I mentioned, they weren't at their best last weekend either against the Canberra Raiders, but way too strong in the um, in the thick of things when it when it mattered. And, you know, Pat Mahiasen had his concussion issues last week. He's going to be named back in the fullback, but... It's hard to really bet against a team that has Pappenhaus and Munster, Hughes, Harry Grant all in their starting lineup. Add Brennan Chiefs to the mix um, on the bench, and their forward pack still so dominant. And they add new pieces all the time, like um, Alex McDon- Alec McDonald, uh, Maroa, Josh King, and they're all just coming in and doing a great job. Josh King, in particular, uh, in that lock position this year, has been outstanding. Um, you know, since he's found himself starting in first grade. It's, an, it's amazing how Craig Bellamy can continue to build this team and really keep them being the benchmark of the competition for a long period of time. I know they haven't won the competition um, since, you know, 2020, so they didn't win last year. They didn't make the grand final. But, you know, for me, they still are the benchmark. They're playing some great football, a great brand of football. Xavier Coach just came to the side and made that wing position his own since the departure of Adokar. And I just think they're going to be a team that's going to be really hard for anyone to beat when they're at full strength like they are this week. And as I mentioned, Cronulla, they've had a great start to the season, but I'm still not convinced about their halves combination. Moylan and Hines. Hines has been great to start the season. But, uh, you know, sometimes he picks the wrong option in kicking. He's still learning how to be a halfback. So in terms of game management, he doesn't always pick the right option. Moylan 
needs to give him a little bit more support. And I think that while Will Cameron is a really good player, I don't think he's the game manager. He's more of, you know, that X factor that comes in and, and you know, can really break the game open and you need that player. But it puts a lot of pressure on Nico Hines, especially when you're versus the good clubs. And I think this is Cronulla's biggest challenge this season. I think their forward pack is really going to have to have a fire lit under them um, to compete with Melbourne's. And I think for Nukin, you know, this is why they signed Cronulla. He's going to know what it's going to take to beat this Melbourne Storm team since he was, you know, a factor of that forward pack for so many years that he's going to know what, what it takes. But is he going to be able to inspire the rest of his forward pack to step up and do it? So it's going to be an interesting contest. I'm really excited for it. I think that the Sharks have definitely a chance of causing an upset. But I've just got Melbourne being a little bit too strong. I've got Melbourne by 10 points in this match. But I think it's going to go down to the wire and Melbourne might just get a little bit, um, be a little bit too good late and get a little, a little bit away from the Sharks and the dying moments of this game. But I think the Sharks are going to be up for it. And I think it's a real opportunity for Cronulla and Craig Fitzgibbon's side to really see where they're at in terms of the premiership heavyweights in this competition. And the fact that they get to verse the, the storm while they're playing well and six rounds of the competition, if they were to lose here on Saturday night, it really gives them plenty of time to get where they want to be, and that's become a premiership heavyweight in themselves and really be a team that can beat some of the best teams in the competition at the back end of the season. So I'm really excited for this contest. I think it's going to be a high-quality game of football, um, and I think that the team that makes the least mistakes, the team that holds the ball for the longest, are going to get the points, but I just got Melbourne with too much experience again over the Sharks by 10 points on Saturday night. Sunday afternoon football, Easter Sunday football, kicks off in the Sydney Cricket Ground at 2pm. That's right, 2pm 2, 2 Sunday games are back for the rest of the season. I'm excited for them. Not a big fan of the 6.30 game personally, uh, but the Roosters will host the New Zealand Warriors from the Sydney Cricket Ground. And the Roosters, they were in trouble last week against the Broncos. The Broncos really turned up and, and put the, Bron- uh, the Roosters off their natural game. Um, Trent Robertson's admitted it's definitely still a work in progress for some of these guys. Walker and Kiri need to find their combination correctly. Verrills comes back in the team this week. He'll really help straighten their attack a little bit. Um, but Tedesco did, wasn't at his best last week. Their forward pack really needs to step up this week because they're versing a New Zealand Warriors side that have won three in a row now. They're starting to get a little bit more confident. Um, their playmakers probably still not where Nathan Brown wants them to be, but Sean Johnson's really improved the side overall. If Reese Walsh can get involved more, then they can be even more of a threat with the football in hand. But their forward pack has stepped up immensely um, in the last few weeks. In particular, Adam Fanil Blake truly led the team well, apart from the brain explosion that he had, um, I believe it was last weekend, with trying to bat the ball away. But he's been really good. Um, Ewan Aiken and, and Josh Curran have both been leading the way in the forward pack as well. So it's going to be a good battle up front this weekend against the Roosters side that, you know, guys like Radley and Hargraves and even Lindsay Collins and Angus Triton, who's been put back to the bench, have been accused this season of, um, you know, not being at their best and, and being fatigued very quickly in contests. So it's going to be a good battle up front. Um, obviously, when you look at these two te- sides, you can probably say that the Roosters have got more firepower uh, in their lineup, uh, a little bit more explosiveness than the Warriors, and sometimes I really question how committed the Warriors are defensively. I mean, they won last week, but they conceded 24 points, and um, I just don't know um, with these big forwards that they have. It's always been a problem for the Warriors; they get tired really quickly, and with the star power that the Roosters have, they can find a way to expose that very quickly. But as we've seen, and as we've seen over the course of the last month, they've won three games. The Roosters. But they're slow starters to games a lot of the time, and 
that's something that Trent Robinson's going to have to fix because um, they can't keep coming back every week to win games. Um, but I just think that the Roosters probably got a little bit too much firepower in this game. I mean, the Warriors have been pretty good over the past month. Let's be honest, they've really stepped up and really over-delivered in terms of expectations this year. I think they're going to be crashed back to earth a little bit this week. I've got the Roosters being too strong. I've got the Roosters by 22 points um, in our first 2 p.m. Sunday game of the year. And Easter Sunday football continues from Wind Stadium at 4 o'clock when the St. George Royal Dragons host the Newcastle Knights. And where do you even start with the Dragons? I mean, Anthony Griffin's already under a lot of pressure there at the club. I mean, Tyrell Sloan and the, him not being in the first grade team is already a subject of conjecture. I mean, Moses Embiid is not a fullback. He's still playing there. Um, they were terrible last weekend against the Dragons, in, against the Rabbitohs in general. And... You know, Bird and Hunt, is that the best Haas combination going forward? Ben Hunt's being the Dragons' best player, but is Jack Bird the right partner to, you know, take some pressure off him? Their forward pack hasn't landed a shot. Andrew McCulley is not running from dummy half as he gets later in his career. He's been a great player for a long period of time. McCulley can, as I said, he straightens their attack up a little bit, but you need someone that, in the modern game, that's a little bit more electric at a dummy half. So his future's up in the air, and... Really, the more that they lose the Dragons, the more the talk's going to be around them. I mean, they've won one out of 13 games. They couldn't even get onto the football to cause the Rabbitohs any trouble last Saturday night. And really, when they got down the Rabbitohs' end, they just could not finish anything. They, they looked disjointed. They didn't look like they had a plan with the football in hand. And it could be a really long season for the Dragons if they don't improve. And it's got to start this week, because this week's a winnable game. And somehow, their favourites in the markets, I don't know how, um, but somehow they are, and, you know, as I mentioned, Griffin stuck, squat, uh, stuck uh, picked and sticked with the same squad that he has the last few weeks, and we'll see if it if it helps, because they are on struggle street at the moment, no doubt about it, Dragons, they're versing a Newcastle Knights side that, you know, they won the first two games in the competition, but that seems like almost an eternity ago, and, you know, that win against the Roosters in round one seems like a, such a long time ago now, as they lose the Pressure every week seems to get more and more on Kalen Ponga, whether he's going to stay at the Knights or whether he's going to go to the Dolphins. Him and his coach, um, Adam O'Brien, are getting frustrated every week and they're walking out of press conferences now. So it just shows you that they're not travelling too well as well. And Clifford and Clune have been good, but their forward pack, again, failed to step up. Just kind of like the Dragons, Clemmer and Saifidi, um, Frizzell, Jones, none of these guys are setting the world on fire at the moment. And I think that... Both these teams are down on form, down on confidence, and, you know, they had an opportunity last week, the Knights, where they could have iced that game against Manly, and it just wasn't there. They just never seemed to me like they were going to go on and win that game of football, and it's worrying signs for both of these clubs. It's a must-win, I think, down there at Wollongong this week, and really, I don't know how the Dragons are favourites on the on the markets, because how can you tip the Dragons? And as lo- Newcastle might not be firing at the moment, but they're competing in every game, and that's more than I can say about the Dragons at the moment, so by default there, I've got to tip the Knights. I'm going to go to the Knights by six points, um, but I think the loser of this game could be in a lot of trouble um, in terms of the season in 2022 as a whole, so... Huge game on the weekend. The Dragons need to find something. Need to find something quick. Newcastle need to get back to that form. But as I said, at least the Newcastle seem to be competing um, in the contest for a lot longer period of time than the Dragons at the moment. So the Knights have to be my tip on Easter Sunday. 
All right, so Easter Monday football. That's right, there is a Monday night game this week, and it takes place from 4 o'clock in the afternoon at Combank Stadium. The Parramatta Eels hosting the West Tigers, who are still the only team that will win in 2022. They're 0-5. The Eels, on the other hand, 4 out of 5, and they were marked by controversy in a game that they won. But, man, Junior Paulo finds himself on the sidelines for a week for a tackle. In my opinion, that wasn't illegal at all. Um, the refs deemed it to be... A legal contact to the head and a shoulder charge. I don't. I didn't see it that way at all. I just thought it's a good hit from Junior Paulo, and then the Tigers, of course, managed to uh, corrupt the captain's challenge system. The Eels, despite all that, knocked all that off. They they lost their composure a little bit, but they got the two points. And really, that's going to be the difference between the Eels of this year and the Eels of last year. The, and the Eels from the previous seasons seem to be a, a team that where things went wrong, they really collapsed in a heap. But I think this Eels team is mentally stronger than they have been in a few seasons. I think they know that this is really their last chance to win that premiership. And I think that um, the combination between Moses, Brown, and Gustin this year have been outstanding. I mean, their forward pack are really getting over the top of opposition forward packs early in contests. I think Gillard has been outstanding in his opening stints. Paulo's been great. As I mentioned, he's not there this week, but... Uh, Lane, Papalihi, Nathan Brown, they're all doing their jobs in, in such an, a way that almost seems effortless. Um, and I just think they're in a really good position at the moment, Parramatta. I really like the brand of football they're playing. I think it's going to be a, have to be a really big performance for a team to knock them off like Cronulla did earlier this season. But I think that's going to have to be, um, you know, the, the regular occurrence for the Eels to lose games by their opposition. They're going to have to be playing at their best to beat Parramatta, and I don't know whether the West Tigers have got much good football left in them. I mean, Michael McGuire's clearly hit the panic button this week after another poor showing last week against Cronulla. Um, two of their five captains, Ken Marlow and Tyrone Peachy, have been dropped. Brooks has been moved into the six, Hastings into the seven after his return from suspension, and Jackson Hastings being told, hey, it's your team now, run this football side. You're the number seven. You're the chief playmaker. You're the guy we're going to be turning to when we're in trouble. So um, it's going to be up to Hastings to really control the tempo of the game like he did so successfully at teams like Southwood Reds and the Wigan Warriors over there in the Super League. Can he translate it to NRL form? Well, he was good in the first few weeks, but it's to be determined at the moment. Um, you know, he, he can only work with what's around him. And at the moment, the, the Tigers aren't really producing much, especially in the forward pack. I mean, they dropped Jacob Little this week as well. Uh, Oliver Gilded in the centres is gone. And who just knows where this Tigers team is going to get their points from? You look at the Parramatta team, and I see 13 players in that starting lineup that are in form and ready to play their best rate of football. I can't say that again about the Tigers. I don't even know if five players are playing their best football there at the moment. So... I don't think it's going to be a long afternoon for the Tigers again. I don't know where they're going to get their first win. But if I'm Michael Maguire, I'm looking for some improvement in form. And if Luke Brooks doesn't start this game off well, you've got Jock Madden on the bench. Use him, put him in. Even if you put Luke Brooks to the dummy half and, and Madden in at 5-8, there's got to be some changes made. It's got to be soon because Michael Maguire doesn't have many weeks left. And surely before he leaves and before he's forced to leave, He's going to try to get this team winning or at least competing in games at any cost. So I've just got the Eagles being too strong. I don't know anyone that doesn't. I've got the Eagles by 30 points on Easter Monday. All right, and that is my predictions for round six of the NRL Tulsa Premiership. Just to recap, on, thir on Thursday night, I've got the Canberra Raiders being too strong for the North Queensland Cowboys. The Friday game is a traditional Good Friday game. We've got the Rabbitohs being too strong for the Bulldogs. 
Penrith dominating the Brisbane Broncos in the Saturday contest, mainly being too strong for the Titans in the entertaining encounter. I've got Melbourne just using that experience to their advantage to get over Cronulla. The Sunday games, the Roosters uh, being too classy for the New Zealand Warriors. The Knights uh, getting a much needed win over the St. George or Dragons. And on Monday night, on Monday afternoon football, I've just got the Eagles being too strong for the Tigers. Those are my tips for round six of the Telstra Premiership. Over to my bets of the week. And I think that I'm only going to give you one bet this week. It's going to be quick and simple. It's the Newcastle Knights to beat the Dragons. Why they're paying more than $2, why they're not the favourites, you back Newcastle because they are absolute specials. Um, I just don't see the, this Dragons team anywhere near a win, unfortunately. I think the Newcastle Knights are a value there um, at $2.30 or $2.20, whatever they're currently paying. I think they started at $2.50. Um, but I'm all over the Knights. And even if you want to put my eight games in a multi, I'm pretty confident with my tips again this week. So um, that could be worth a $10 bet as well. So those are my bets of the week. Really quick this week, as I mentioned. Supercoach trades. Um, I think this is the week where people have to start looking at play tough. He's playing his second game. He got 39 in his first game last week, second game of the season. But Latrell Mitchell's out for eight weeks, so I think he's going to be a lot of value, going to make a lot of money. And um, I still think Isaiah Papalihi, a lot of teams do have him, a lot of teams don't have him. If you like me and don't have him, you've got to find a way in the next few weeks to get Papalihi in your team. I think he's a must-have in your final 17 in Supercoach this season. All right, well, that is my podcast for the week. As I mentioned, I'm going for two perfect rounds in a row. Let's hope I can get it. I hope you guys enjoy your football this weekend, and I'll see you next time on Steve's NRL Footy Tips.